Welcome everybody to episode 3 of the Bomber Brothers podcast. Sean and Ryan back with you. We'll be joined by Jeremy Frank in a short while. He runs the Twitter account MLB Random Stats, which is always full of good quirky trends that you might not normally be aware of. And there's a really quirky trend happening in New York, Sean. The injuries keep piling up, but so do the wins. The Yankees have, uh, or the Rail Riders, whoever you want to call them right now, <laughs> have won six in a row. Well, they've won since we last recorded when we were all down, and I gave my speech on being negative and holding people accountable. They've gone eight and eight and one since we last recorded. So, I'm going to take credit for that. I think me and Brett Gardner, because um, Brett Gardner also talked about, uh, you know, keeping expectations high. So, I'm going to split the split the glamour with with Mr. Gardner, who has been one of the one of the heroes of this streak with the grand slam against Boston and, uh, you know, adding a couple, a homer against Kansas city. He's, he's played really well and some great defense too. Yeah. Gardner's been swinging the bat very well, which is great to see. You obviously need it right now. Given Especially out of your three hitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gardner stepped into the three hole and just started hitting bombs. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He also, I mean, I know you probably went to bed, but his box score might not look great, but he hit the ball hard almost every at-bat last night, including a rocket to center field where just he happened to hit it in the vicinity of Mike Trout, which is never a good idea. But um, Trout made Is that the the ball Trout caught like kind of over his head, like reaching over the other side of his body while he yeah, was going the back? One, the yeah, one that's, I saw the replay. The one that StatCast gave a 60% catch probability, which had to have some kind of Trout factor involved there, which bumps the... <laughs> percentage up 30 percent or something like that because that is no one's making that catch 60 percent of the time it was it was an unbelievable play thank god the Yankees still won because you had the the hidden ball trick that got Tyler Wade right after that which, <laughs> which you know is that what you use replay for in baseball I don't know uh, I know Jeter used to try it a lot too so it was tough to complain at least we don't have to complain about it because the Yankees somehow won this game just like they've somehow won the last six in a row, and they're doing it pretty much the way you would expect. It, it doesn't look pretty. The A lot of these rallies were, you know, the, the big rally in the seventh inning had three walks involved, a sack fly, uh, a weak looping single. Uh, they started their scoring in the sixth with a pass ball when they were about to be squandered of a runners at the corners no out rally. So it's about what you would expect. It doesn't look good, but it looks just fine in the standings where the Yankees are now suddenly just one game back in the lost column of Tampa Bay. Right. And I mean, I guess before we go much further, we should comment that this this streak um, that, you know, these last nine games, it's not a sustainable output. And the no. main culprit of that is because um, although the end of the show last week, you said you were looking forward to seeing nobody get hurt. Um, the biggest the biggest name of them all went down since we last recorded in, in Aaron Judge, which is a huge blow, especially given the seeming severity of the injury uh, with an oblique that they won't even guess a timetable on. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm prepared to be without Judge for six or seven weeks. I, I guess when we talk about what we're looking forward to next week, I should say I'm looking forward to everybody getting hurt so everyone magically gets healthy. But, um, it's yeah, that was the biggest blow so far. There goes your most valuable player in the lineup Uh, like you said this isn't sustainable and judge is going to be out for a long time probably long after a lot of these hitters like like talkman and and even gardner maybe start to come back down to their expected stat lines which you hope by then some reinforcements come back now frazier's out he has a small tear in his ankle they said it's 10 to 14 days just by the way injuries have gone i highly doubt that the the yankees training staff is like chewbacca trying to put c3po back together <laughs> just nothing's working i mean even with stan they, they there was another injury there they didn't even know about like this is two guys now where they got hurt with something and then it's like oh and by the way we found something else yeah so now stan's supposedly going to be meeting the yankees in arizona which is next week i don't I mean, maybe he'll resume baseball activities by then, but I don't think he'll be back by then. So another delayed return. So now now that Sanchez came back last night, you think of the rest of the long, long list of Yankees that are on the injured list now. Uh, Andujar, Stanton, Hicks, Severino, Betances, Judge. 
those are all probably or, or and Gregorius too. Those that's pretty much aside from Sanchez, your top what seven valuable pieces of the team, and all of them you have no idea when they're coming back yet. None of them seem to have a timetable now. Now that Sanchez is back, everyone else is we're kind of in the dark about. Well, Brian Hoke at 3.13 a.m. posted an article. Here's when to expect the Yankees, these Yankees back. And Does it just say never? <laughs> well, Andrew Hart, it says, Andrew Hart's the first one, and it's funny. It says May, and then in parentheses, or spring training 2020. <laughs> that's some, that probably sums up everybody. But um, he has been doing well from what the reports have said, right? Uh, he's been really encouraged with his arm strength and everything, so hopefully um, – it, it's May and not 2020. And I mean, if we get back Andujar, Frazier, Hicks, and, and Stanton all in May, which it, it seems like we should at, at least get two of those three. Oh, and Tulowitzki. I mean, who can forget about him? Yeah. At least then we have a representative lineup and to go with the way the pitching has been. I know CC wasn't great last night, but also if you get a little better defense, it's more of a representative outing. Not a good outing, but a more of a representative outing for him. So um, there are some, like, you know, who knows with, with Judge and Didi and, like, you know, like you were saying. But, I mean, if we have a lineup with Sanchez, Stanton, um, Hicks, uh, Voight, Torres, Andujar, that's that's not bad. Yeah, well, first, Torres needs to get it going again. He's been He's been in a bit, a bit of a slump. Had a single yesterday to break the no hitter that was going on into the fifth inning, but um, yeah, the, I, you you brought it up. It, it's baseball's funny because heading into the season, everyone was concerned about the starting rotation and did we do enough to help the starting rotation, especially after Severino went down. And you know, CC's last outing aside, where his slider was just so fat, so uh, flat, it got crushed by Simmons and then Calhoun on that three-run home run. But aside from that, the starting pitching has been unbelievable. Tanaka, Paxton uh, have both been great lately. Paxton's been in another world. Uh, even Hap, he had, he's had those two brief hiccups in his last two starts uh, via the long ball. But other than that, he's been great his last two starts. So you hope he's coming back to uh, what you hoped he could be for at least the first year or two of this new contract. And, you know, the bullpen's another story that's, a little shaky even still Chapman made things interesting last night like he always seems to but but Britain looked better on on Wednesday night um Loizaga showed what he can be in the bullpen which I think he can be a really valuable piece in the bullpen to eat up a couple innings now that Chad Green's down in the minors which I'm sure we'll also need to talk about but it it you know again it's it's against subpar teams but you also still have to remember despite walking him like five times other than that they've held Mike Trout to about uh one for eight so far so so the pitching staff is doing a good job well yeah I mean if he's one for eight and they've walked him five times then he's on been on base six out of 13 times if my math is correct it's Mike Trout you do what you have to so, do <laughs> yeah that's I, I don't I think I believe I think I believe the strategy now <laughs> yeah just don't let him hit anything yeah, it, it seems to be working. So, um, yeah, that that's that's the way you got to play it when you're playing the Angels. And the Yankees have done well in, in a place where we've, you know, I, I still go back to the early 2000s and am afraid of the <laughs> Angels because of all that. But I know it hasn't been the same. But Yeah, um, Howie Kendrick and Chone Fingens are long gone, so no, no more need to worry. Tim Salmon. Yeah, <laughs> Garrett Anderson. Yeah. That, that those were not fun fun times, but anyway, um, yeah, I, um, I I mean they've handled Trout well. The the pitching staff's done done a good job, and you know I mean let's let's get Green out of the way now because obviously, um, you know he gave up he's given up more runs this season than he did on all of 2017 already, or was tied when he got set, sent down, and in 2017 he pitched 69 innings, so. Things aren't good. What what do you think about the move to send Green down? I know you you were calling for it before it happened. And um, what do you think? What do you think his time in the minors will entail? What does he need to do to get back? Yeah. Well, as soon as as soon as I learned he had an option remaining, that you had to do it. He, the, the Yankees were bringing him in in low leverage situations, and he was al- allowing teams right back into the game. I mean, look back to to Tuesday night and. 
I think Tuesday night showed you exactly what his struggles are and what he needs to work on. His his fastball is about a mile per hour and a half slower than it was last year, which isn't egregious. You know, you could even argue that as he settles into the season, he'll get some of that velocity back. But it really isn't about his fastball. He just doesn't have a good secondary pitch, and hitters can just sit on his fastball. Uh, if you look, if you look at his swing and miss percentage on his fastball since 2017, it is an, it it looks like a a slide at, at an amusement park. It just goes straight down. It's completely plummeted, and that's because people can sit on it because they know they're not going to get a plus second pitch that they have to keep an eye out for. I mean, look at the slider he threw to Bohr on that grand slam. It was an 87-mile-per-hour, I don't know, cement spinner just right down the middle, and Bohr crushed it into the next day. And I think that's, you know, it's kind of like what Severino went back down to the minors. He he needed to work on a changeup to become a better starter. Severino already had two good pitches, but to be in the rotation, you, you need more than two. And Green's in a position where if you are in the bullpen, you need more than one good pitch. Chapman Chapman has great velocity that he can't always control, but he still has a plus slider. I mean, that his slider is worlds better than Green's. So whether it's that slider or the splitter he was working on towards the end of last year, he just he needs to be able to get more movement and location on one of those before he comes back. And it's actually something we talked to Jeremy Frank about, and he said he's not too worried about it and honestly neither am I because you know the stuff is there you've seen it before hitters have just become a little more familiar with him and realized like hey we can just sit on this fastball but once once Green perfects one of those other two pitches I have no reason to believe not that he'll get back to 2017 because that was I mean geez that was one of the best seasons by a reliever we've seen in a long time but if he can at least get back to early 2018 I think uh, I think the Yankees would be fine with that yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, not to change subjects or cut in, but just so you know, the Yankees just announced that they've played, placed Clint Frazier on a 10-day IL with a left ankle sprain and recalled Joe Harvey from the AAA. They've also, however, sent down Luizaga at the AAA. Why? Um, but there's no corresponding move, so that leads me to believe there's something going on that we don't know about. Maybe there's uh, some somebody getting claimed off waivers and, and they're bringing them on or they're they're – Hopefully trading for an actual outfielder because there's there's none left. We've gone through everybody. Um, or or so we've say, just or we've just reached the point where we're playing with a 24 man roster because we don't want anyone else to get hurt. It's the only other thing I can think of. That's possible, but um, yeah. So I know you were gonna you had said and you've said before that you think Loisa is a good bullpen <laughs> arm, but I guess the Yankees want to send him down and keep him stretched out, but. Um, I don't. I don't understand that one. We'll I mean, obviously there should be another move coming to hopefully explain it. But yeah, I don't. That's that's one I don't understand. You, you sent down Green. I feel like Loizaga uh, is a much better option than Harvey. I don't know. That's, that's uh, Harvey was, was decent, but yeah, I, I I don't disagree. Yeah, Harvey was decent. He has a he has a good fastball, but again, like maybe maybe they just. I'm sorry to cut it. Maybe they just figure with Loizaga pitched three innings last night. Three, yeah. I mean, he's at least cooked for three days then. Yeah, so that's true. Maybe, maybe they figure you got three days, um, three days, four, four games coming up and then an off day. So you really wouldn't have used him until next Tuesday. So that, That's true. I guess that's worth burning an option, but interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I, I hope Green figures it out. Um he seems like a, a smart kid and somebody who's willing to work at it. And uh, he seems like, you know, obviously after 2017, he becomes a fan favorite. And it was really tough to watch, especially, I mean, I know that Adovino had the rough game on Easter, but that was all set up by Chad Green. Yeah, Adovino uh, came into a bases yeah. loaded, no out spot. So, you know, you, you feel for the guy and you hope that, that he turns it around. But, um, you know, with, Ottavino, Britton, and um, and Chapman. This is still a good bullpen. I know Chapman hasn't given you a lot of reason to feel comfortable, but he did nail the save down last night. And prior to the night before, he had, excuse me, been pitching pretty well. Um, yeah. He just goes through these things. He's not Mo, as we all know. Um, so there, there's still a lot of talent out there. If Holder ever pitches again, I'm probably going to scream. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, you, you, it's, it wasn't just that Holder was pitching. It was that he seemed to be coming in in, the, in higher lever, leverage situations than guys like Britain. He had the most innings in, in high, high leverage situations as of like last week when that, I, I yeah. saw that posted. That made me nuts. That was but, poor, uh, poor management there. So we got Frazier down and Judge down. We talked about who's coming back soon. Um, but let's really quick, before we, we move, move on, to whatever else we want to talk about today, let's talk about some of the heroes of this uh, of this eight and one stretch. And and let I, I want to start with Frazier because I mean, I kind of always was worried about if it was if it was going to ever come to fruition with him. But he showed he's a much improved hitter. Um, this is not the hitter we saw in spring training. He's showing a better eye and um, a lot of power and a lot of energy out there. Um, so I'm losing him as a blow. Hopefully it is only like two two weeks at the maximum. But um, definitely one of the reasons that they were able to win all these games. And I've been really excited with what I've seen. I mean, this is another option we have now moving forward, I think. I think to me this is the this is him passing the test. Like, yeah, he's going to be a, a legit big leaguer. What do you think? Yeah, I think we saw a lot of people on Twitter during his productive stretch where he was, geez, I mean, leading the team in RBI even when he was a late addition to the team. That's just how much he's come through, and a lot of people on Twitter were like, I don't think we're going to be seeing Clint Frazier back down in AAA anymore, and that was the feeling because you, know, you always knew the bat speed was there, but like you said, he's been working better at bats. A lot of his home runs have come on off-speed pitches, which was encouraging to see, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, he was he was the hero there for a long stretch before getting injured, which obviously you feel terrible for him after everything he works back from with his concussion last year. And the last thing you wanted to see was him go to the IL. So other than he said it was too crowded, but then he went anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm sure once they saw a small tear in his ankle, they weren't going to let him be stupid. He likes, he likes to talk, but I I mean that, that kind of attitude is helpful sometimes if it's, if it's in the right, right direction and it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would have been helpful to keep playing on it until he broke his ankle in half, but I just think back to 2012 Jeter when he was when he did that. Obviously, that didn't turn out well. So you don't want that. But it's it is it's certainly an endearing quality that you know Frazier wants to be out there. He knows how hurt the team already is. So it probably is crushing him right now to not be able to be out there. But hopefully, some of these other unsung heroes can can keep it going in the you know scrappy not pretty way that they've been winning games but I, I last night was the first game the Yankees have won when they didn't hit a home run they they drew I think drawing the three walks was pretty telling of how the Yankees have been winning games because you have Mike Ford who just came up who has been really impressive with working the count he also had his first major league home run the night before uh, Voight has become great at working the counts he seems to be always be in a three two count hopefully picking up uh, what Judge left behind with his his ability to work the count. So Voight's on base every game, hit two home runs the night before. And then uh, e- even guys like Mike Talkman seem to have, seem to be working some some pretty good at bats. So I'd I'd say uh, I'd say it's been great to see that you have you have a guy in Gio Urshela who seems to be able to consistently make contact. It's usually never very hard, but Hopefully he can still keep finding holes and and playing that incredible defense at third base. So all all those guys, it's it's been great to see. And and now we have Sanchez back. Hopefully he got his rust off last night. He didn't look great at the plate, um, but we know what he was doing before he hit the the IL. So I don't think mm-hmm. there's much concern that uh, about last night. It was just you know him getting his bearings back. So out of let's say the the. Guys that we were just like, holy crap, how are they, they on the roster? Talkman, <laughs> uh, Ford, and uh, Urshela. Because Wade, I think we expected up here at some point anyway. Yeah. Well, out, out of those three, who who has impressed you the most and sort of kind of you've latched onto as your cult injured Yankee replacement player hero guy? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's one I've attached to because I'm fully prepared for all of them to <laughs> Crumb oh, back. I am too. I can't wait for <laughs> us to be rid of them. But yeah, they're going to be crashing back down to earth soon. But I, I, I love watching Urshela in the field. I think that's for real. He's just a really, really good def- defender. Uh, when it comes to the plate, I, I really like Talkman's left-handed power. 
But I think I'm going to go with Ford. I think he's just a great story. A New Jersey guy like us. Not like us in the fact that he went to Princeton. But um, I, I like the way he's been showing an ability to, to work the count. I, I mean, that the sweet swing on his first home run was was great. And you, you know he can make hard contact. And hopefully when they get back to Yankee Stadium, he can start putting some of those over the seats. But I, I like I like what I'm seeing from Mike Ford. Yeah, I like Ford too. Uh, he kind of just has like that look of like just like a guy who's like a little bit heavy that just has a good eye and just mashes. So <laughs> I mean, uh, it's been fun to watch. Even though Talkman's hit a couple big home runs, uh, I mean, especially the one against the, the Red Sox. Um, yeah, I haven't really taken to him. I don't know for some reason. Just <laughs> since I heard his name, I'm like, this guy's gonna suck. But the Sox man. Yeah, he, he's he's done a good job, and like you said, Urshel, it's it's been fun watching a couple unsung heroes uh, uh, come up big, and um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't shout him out because I feel like we, not that we dislike him, but we sort of like to tweak him because people unfairly elevate him. But Romine had a hell of a game on Easter. He's the reason the Yankees oh, yeah. won that game, um, and really bailed out bailed out the bullpen that game so uh it was cool to see romine have a big game but i'm excited to see sanchez hopefully get a little comfortable and not swing at everything like he did last night i think i when i went to bed i think he struck out twice and swung at like every pitch but well that just happened two more times after you went to bed but yeah you know he i think he was just a little over anxious to be back and probably wanted to play the hero and get right back to where he was which i still think he will i mean we all know his ability and and for Romine, yeah, he he was great with runners in scoring position to end that homestand. And and just to clear up, it's not that either of us dislike Romine. There's no reason to. It's just more of befuddlement that there's this large legion of fans that seem to think he's more valuable than Sanchez. That's, right. That's where the, the confusion comes in. Yeah, like one of my favorite Yankees ever is Sal Fasano. But, I mean, I wasn't <laughs> calling for him to play when Jorge Posada, we had Jorge Posada. Just <laughs> Sal Fasano had a great mustache. What else do you want? Yeah. Anyway, that's a that's a blast from the past. <laughs> <laughs> He's and not one of my favorite Yankees ever, just to clarify. Going going back to Talkman real quick, he had another great swing last night in the in the ninth inning when you thought there wasn't going to be a rally because he blasted one to the wall in, in right field and Cole Calhoun just made an unbelievable leaping catch at the wall and that came just a couple innings after Trouts and you were like, Man, this this comeback is just probably going to fall short and then with two outs they rallied thanks to Wade and and um well oh my god why, what am I doing why am I blanking on his name oh yeah and, we and LeMahieu, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was a great way to come out of a slump uh for LeMahieu he had a big sack fly he had the RBI double to get the Yankees on the board and then, and then the game winning hit getting right back to what he was doing in the beginning of the year a line drive to right center yeah absolutely huge game for uh DJ LeMahieu which um it's good to see him hit the ball again, and hopefully if, if you get him and Torres out of a slump, I mean, it's just like a revolving door of who, who gets hot, I guess. But um, we'll see. I mean, if we can mount any offense, San Francisco's defense uh, offense is pretty terrible. So if we could get any sort of run production in that series, look to continue this little streak, hopefully, at least through till Arizona. And then by the time you get home, hopefully get a little healthier. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's let's bring on Jeremy Frank to talk about some, you know, dive deeper into some stuff we've already talked about, plus uh, what he thinks of Luke Voigt's on base streak, what he thinks his ceiling is, what he thinks the outlook for Chad Green is, and much more. So here's Jeremy Frank, the mind behind MLB Random Stats on Twitter. All right, we're joined now by Jeremy Frank. He runs the Twitter account MLB Random Stats, which is a great follow for anybody interested in uh, some interesting, unique trends going on in baseball. Uh, Jeremy, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm doing really well. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. The Yankees are doing well somehow, winning five in a row as we record here on a Wednesday with guys yeah. who uh, I don't. I think we can both admit neither of us have heard of, but yeah. but. Uh, 
you know, so much uh, before everybody hit the IL, so much of criticism against the Yankees was that they're too reliant on the home run. We heard that last year as well. They they fail with runners in scoring position, and you know, I just curious if you in your all your dives into baseball data have seen if you know that really does hurt a team if teams are over relying on the home run because we've seen that in years past especially in the playoffs that the home run almost becomes more important of a way to produce offense yeah i think that being too reliant on any anything offensively is a bad thing i don't think the homer's unique in that i think if you're too reliant on home runs or singles or stolen bases small ball whatever i think you're going to be in trouble when it comes to the playoffs I think the Yankees are a really good offensive team. They just need to be able to just keep getting guys on base. I think more important for teams that hit a lot of home runs in the playoffs is just manufacturing walks and just good plate appearances. I think that is what sets teams apart, like why some teams fail that like rely on the homer in the postseason and some teams are successful. You just got to get on base, even if it's not like via the single or via double. It's You just got to get walks because then there's you're not just hitting solo homers. You got to get guys on base. And someone who's been doing a good job of, of working counts and getting on base is Luke Voigt. He's up to 32 games in a row that he's reached base, one of the highest active streaks in baseball, hit two home runs on Tuesday night. What what do you see as, as Voigt's ceiling? You know, he might not be getting on base multiple times a game, but he is stringing this streak together and obviously still flexing that cartoonish power. So just what, what kind of, is this the real Luke Voigt? I think this is probably his ceiling. I don't really see him. He hits the ball really hard, but it's really hard to be better than he's been right now. I think he is a very good player. Um, I don't think his on-base streak is really – like, it, it is great, but I really don't think it's as advertised because, like, yeah, it's like 30-plus games, but it's really, like you said, only like once a game, maybe twice, whereas most on-base streaks you see, like, you're getting like a 500 on-base percent over the streak. I think his was like in the – in the low fours at best for the streak, but I did uh, find this stat earlier today that since the 2018 All-Star break, he has tied for the third best WRC plus in baseball, which attempts to just see how valuable guys are as run producers behind only Christian Yelich and Mike Trout, and he's tied with Ronald Acuna Jr., so it's really hard to fake that kind of offensive production for like half of the season. So I think even if this is a little better than he actually is, he's still at least a well above average to good to great bad and uh, another yankee whose wrc plus was through the roof last year was glaber torres at least through the first two months of the season not the same kind of production the first two months of his sophomore season obviously he's you know he's just 21 years old but anything anything you've seen in the numbers to suggest what's going on with torres or it's just your sophomore slump I mean, I think he's recently, I mean, he got off to a great start. He had a 1,000 OPS through like 10 games in the season. Obviously not the biggest sample size. And then since then, he's kind of just been striking out a lot. I, he doesn't really, it doesn't really worry me that much because, I mean, last year he struck out about like once a game. But this year in the last, I have it, 13 games, he struck out 19 times out of his 53-point appearances. So that's like a strikeout rate nearing 40%, which is definitely not what you want to see. But that just happens to guys. You go on cold streaks, you don't see the ball as well. But I really don't think there's that much of Eric for concern for a guy like Torres, who had a great rookie year last year, like you said. So a new Yankee, James Paxton, has been phenomenal in his last two starts, uh, one against the Red Sox and then another one against uh, the White Sox, or the Royals, excuse me. And you know, a lot of people weren't aware of Paxton because he's on, on the West Coast, which is why Mike Trout doesn't get as appreciated as much despite being the best player in baseball. And you know, where do you think Paxton ranks in terms of starting pitchers around the rest of the league? I mean, I would go as far as to say that when he is on the field, he is an elite pitcher. I would almost get, I would probably say he's top 15, if not top 10, when he is pitching. I know injuries have been a concern. He actually hasn't thrown a qualified season yet. He came really close last year, but he actually didn't get to, he felt like an inning short. But his feeling independent pitching is always near the top of the league, especially in the American League. It's, I mean, he does a really good job of not only preventing runs, but getting strikeouts. His his strikeouts per night have gone up each of the last six years, I think it is, which is incredible for a guy who is, I mean, he's a, he's 30 years old now and he still keeps getting better. Strikeouts per night is 13.3 this year. But I was really high on him a few years ago after his 2016 season. He had a 379 ERA, but his, his FIP was 280. So that really indicates like he's he's really pitching better than his, his stats might have shown. And then the, the last three years, he's really 
kind of showed what kind of pitcher he is. In 2017, he had a sub-3 ERA. Last year, not the best ERA, but still striking out a lot of guys, preventing walks. He does a lot. He just does He does everything pretty well as a pitcher. And then this year, I really don't think to expect anything different. I think he's a he's almost an elite starting pitcher if he's if not elite. He's just got to stay on the field, which the Yankees especially need, considering all of the injuries that they've had this young season. And they had another injury scare just a couple nights ago when Clint Frazier rolled his ankle uh, sliding back into second base. And obviously, given his recent production, that's someone they cannot lose. And do you, but you know. Uh, another concern could be like Voigt. Can he keep this up? We know the bat speed is elite, but uh, what do you think Clint Frazier can bring in a full major league season? I think that Clint Frazier, he's definitely not the hitter that he is shown to be. And I'm not saying that he won't be a good hitter. He's still very young. He's 24, but he's more of, I would say his ceiling this season would be like an 800 OPS, which is still like 40, 50 points above average. I don't think he's a, near like a 320 batting average or a 975 OPS what he's done so far but he's definitely he's shown he's hit, he's hit the minors really well I just don't know if he's he's a major league like a major league quality like good hitter yet I think he is above average if you give him a full season's worth of plate appearances just like it seems like every year the Yankees have guys they come up they come up out of the minors and just hit really well like Judge, Sanchez, Torres, and Duhor, all of these guys, they've done a really good job at developing bats. And I, I think Frazier could be the same way, but given it's his first full season this year, I wouldn't expect him to carry the load for the Yankees. They need their guys back. They don't need they don't want to have to rely on like Clint Frazier and Luke Voigt to get their team to the playoffs. But for now, I mean he's been great. I I was watching the game against the the Angels that he got hurt in, and a lot of people were saying on Twitter that he would have been taken out of the game if they had all of their guys but he kind of had to play because just because who else they have on their team right now but he's definitely a really good like fourth outfielder probably even better than a fourth outfielder quality player but right now he he's doing a great job uh living up he's filling in for for judge and standing really well and that's really all the yankees have asked of him and he's done it so another person expected to be reliant for the Yankees is Chad Green and this is you know just a unfolding that happened today but now he's going back down the triple a obviously his you know XWOBA his exit velocity hard hit percentage everything is just plummeted to the bottom of the league is there is there any comp you can think of for Chad Green's current struggles and and is there hope for him to maybe develop a second pitch and and become what he was in 2017 again yeah I'm not as concerned about Chad Green as many other people are i think that his track record the last two years have indicated that he is an elite reliever and although he's getting clobbered right now he's only thrown he's thrown less than eight innings i mean he's giving up i mean i if i'm gonna find it real quick his opponent batting average is completely unsustainable even for a pitcher even if you're bad you're not gonna give up his his opponents are hitting almost 400 against him ops over 1200 with four homers he's really not He's not that bad for sure, and I think it's. I think this is better than if he had like a walk problem. I think it's better that. I think as a relief pitcher who is who's struggling, I think it's way better to be struggling because guys are getting hits off you than because you're walking everyone. I think it's a lot easier to fix, and I think that there's a lot more like variance in these kind of guys. I think that. I haven't watched as much Yankees obviously as you have in many of the listeners, but I can definitely say that. Uh, Chad Green is definitely not a guy that's going to give up a 1,200 OPS. Uh, I, I, like, obviously, there's reason to be concerned because he got sent down to AAA, and rightfully so, he's getting clobbered. But going forward, once he gets called up, I'm pretty confident in him being an elite relief pitcher again. We're talking with Jeremy Frank, the mind behind MLB Random Stats on, on Twitter. Uh, so can you just walk us through your process? What's it like every night? You're, you're tweeting out information from multiple games around the league, always insightful stuff. Just how do you how do you have it at the ready, and, and how are you able to, to build this following? Well, so every night I, I try and watch as much baseball as I can. It's tough because my followers come from every single team around the league and you can't watch every single game at the same time. So you're obviously going to miss something, but I try and follow as many guys around the league, like as many reporters, as many fans that I can. So I get a pretty good balance of like what's going on. So like if I might, I might not be watching like 
the White Sox Orioles game, but if something interesting happens, I'll know about it within a minute of it happening just from it popping up on my feed. I try and watch a couple of games at a time. I'm I'm a big Cubs fan, so that's always on my big TV. And then I usually like I usually just put on a just whatever game seems interesting to me. Usually like the A's game, just because I really like the A's this year on my iPad. And then I have box scores on my phone and just. Whenever I, I feel like over the years, I've just developed a pretty good eye for just finding stuff that like doesn't seem like normal, I guess I would say. And then if it doesn't seem normal, I'll just look it up on like a baseball reference or fan graphs or whatever. Baseball savant, if it's like a stack test thing, just whatever, whatever I think I'd be able to find something cool with. And yeah, so I started this uh, when I was a freshman in high school. So four years ago in 2015. And yeah, it's really taken off. I don't really know how I built the following. It just, I guess, just comes with time. If you tweet about baseball every single night for four years in a row, I mean, I guess the followers just eventually come. I've been lucky enough to, like, at the beginning, I have guys like Mark Simon, who worked for ESPN back then. He followed me pretty early on, and he retweeted some of my stuff that, obviously, he found interesting. So that helped build the following at the beginning. But it was really slow until until recently. It's just... The way Twitter works is just like the more followers you get, the more retweets you get, and the more retweets you get, the more followers you get. So it's really just getting eyes on the tweets, and yeah, just tweeting, tweeting as much as possible. I'm not gonna like spam stuff like if it's not interesting, but I try and try and just look out for for things that may be interesting to like a tenth of my following, if that makes sense. Yeah, is, is there any is there any surprising or interesting stats that caught your eye recently pertaining to the Yankees that um, was just you know kind of struck you as something you never would have expected, whether it be a, a trend or you know where a player ranks among league leaders? Well, uh, so I saw Gary Sanchez came off the DL today, I believe it was, and his. I don't know what it is right now, but I remember when he went on the DL, he was near the top of the league in pretty much every stat cast metric, which is really good for someone who did not have the best season last year. I was still really confident in him after last year. I know a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people, it's a, it's a divided issue on Gary Sanchez. Like he hit like 190 last year, and his defense could be considered poor by some. I, I don't think it's actually that bad because because of the defense he provides on stolen bases. But I think that like that cancels out his his pass balls or wild pitches or whatever but yeah i think he was i'm not a hundred percent sure if he was number one but he's always been after his three home run game even before his three home run game he was yeah right now he's averaging um he, he has a 22 percent barrel rate like per, per plate appearance so nearly one every four plate appearances he's getting a barrel which is six percent higher than anyone else which is next highest is joey gallo so i obviously this is not sustainable but it's it's better than it's really nice to see um someone performing well in stack cast metrics it's almost better if they're doing well it's the way i look at it is like stack cast metrics are kind of like the process and then like a stat like ops or wrc plus would be like the outcome and i'd much rather have a guy doing well in the uh the process stats than the outcome stats, especially this early in the season. But Sanchez is definitely doing well at both. He's not his his season hasn't been fluky at all, which is really great to see, especially because he's coming off of the DDL soon, or I guess now. Gotcha. All right, that's Jeremy Frank. Find him on Twitter if you want any of uh, the great, insightful stats and trends that you heard here. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us, and enjoy all the games tonight and the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Have a good one. You too. Okay, huge thanks to Jeremy Frank. Again, you can catch all of his awesome work and statistical nuggets on, at MLB Random Stats on Twitter. And and Sean, just to go back to Torres real quick, like like Jeremy mentioned that heightened strikeout rate, which which you said I think is a good point. Maybe he's just trying to put a little too much on himself, you know, kind of getting away from his. Uh, more even keeled spray chart and maybe just trying to put balls over the wall just because you know he's one of the best hitters left on this lineup and maybe just trying to do a little bit too much yeah i mean i think you know i didn't get to interview jeremy because it was dinner time yeah <laughs> Sup- supper time <laughs> the smitties would call it um I um, I think, you know, also from listening to the R2C2 with Torres, like you could just tell he takes a lot of pride in himself and everything. And he's tries to be like a team guy. And I think 
when you're called upon, you put a lot of pressure on yourself and you're, you have that kind of personality. So I think as Sanchez and, and, and Hicks and Andahar and Stanton come back, you're going to see um, Torres settle in here. And, and, and maybe, you know, he needed just like, I know he had a little mental break the other day and maybe he needed that to kind of settle in here. Um, but he's too good of a hitter to let this continue for, for too long. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you, you see him, you see a lot of swings and misses on pitches in the outer half. I would have to look at the numbers, but at least that's what I've seen over the last uh, few games is that he's waving and missing at a lot of those where normally you would see him take those, take those the other way. And, and oftentimes with power, take them the other way. So Maybe he's just pulling out a little bit, trying to do too much. But uh, yeah, I, Torres is a guy I think will be okay. What, what do you think of a guy like Voigt, who you seem to think will be could be trending in the other direction eventually, and maybe coming down from this current productive streak where he's on base a lot, not with crazy consistency, but he's getting on base every game, and obviously two home runs the other night, which is what you need right now with all the production that's on the IL right now. Yeah, like like I was saying before we came back, um, I I don't understand why pitchers don't pitch Voight in all the time because it seems like anything out over the plate he hammers. But if you pitch him inside, not only do you usually get that fastball by him, but he also then the rest of the at-bat seems to struggle. I mean, we've seen that a couple times recently where that inside fastball will tie him up and then he'll chase maybe a slider in the dirt and, you know, he, he's out of the at-bat at that point. Um, but it seems like pitchers haven't gone to that consistently, which is surprising because it's not like he's been doing Luke Voigt stuff just for a month. He's been one of the best hitters in the league since August, right? Since the beginning of August. Yeah. Um, so, so now we're, you know, looking at three and a half months, really, if you include the postseason of him just being an impact bat. And, um, I'm, I'm really surprised that the league hasn't figured out a way to pitch him because he hasn't shown what judge showed, which they tried to pitch judge in and judge hit the ball 121 miles an hour down the left field line for a home run. So that's, you know, Voight hasn't really shown that he's more get the ball out over the plate and use center and right center, which is great for Yankee stadium. But, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just worried about it because I've seen it happen a couple times and it's just like a small sample <laughs> size, but, um, you know, uh, what do you think? Do you think there's a do you think there is a, a downfall of Voight coming? Are you worried about that, or you think that he's a good enough hitter where he's going to learn to not let that mess with his at bats? I, I think he can still be a productive player. Maybe he's not going to reach base every game, but he he seems to be doing a lot better job of of working the county. Obviously, still has that power to uh, center field and the opposite way and I think it was just last night actually that John Flaherty brought up that he's noticed pitchers are starting to try to pound him inside which they did try to do last night and Voight actually punched a looping single out to center field to uh, keep a rally going so obviously you'd like to see him you know use that strength to get his hands in a little more and, and like Judge rip those down the left field line which I, I think he can make an adjustment there I, I think he's shown an ability this year to, to work at bats you know, as well or you're even better than last year to, you know, get deep into the count. So I'm I'm actually not too worried about Void. Uh, uh, getting close to a month into the season, starting to think that obviously last year's production was never sustainable. He wasn't going to post an OPS over 1,000 for a full season, but you're starting to think that, you know, he, maybe he's not a fluke. He's just a, a productive player and another steal by Brian Cashman who gave up Jason Shreve. Well, I mean, getting anything for Chase and Shreve was a win, but getting Luke Voigt was a, a slam dunk of a win. So, absolutely. No, I mean, I don't think he's going to fall off the face of the earth and become like a 200 hitter that's hits 12 home runs or something like that. I mean, he's, you know, he clearly has a lot of talent. I just think um, that there is are areas where he could be exposed from time to time, but that's true with anybody. But we yeah. haven't really seen it with him. We haven't seen the Luke Voigt slump. No, and, yeah. and honestly, they can't afford one right now. They can't True. really afford a slump by anybody. They're, it's it's interesting. It almost seems like each each hitter in the current lineup has had a stretch where they were productive, but it hasn't been all at the same time. Yet the Yankees keep winning. You know, like Torres was unbelievably hot to start the season, then everyone got hurt and he's cooled down. Gardner has started to pick it up now as Torres has cooled off. Voigt's been a little more, little more consistent. 
And then, well, I mean, can't really make much comparisons for other guys because they're all just getting into the lineup because everyone just keeps getting hurt. But anyway, you hope that they're able to keep this collective effort going with everyone pitching in. Hopefully LeMahieu's out of his slump because they're going to need him. And just hopefully people start coming back soon because, again, this has been very weird and very fun to watch, this winning streak, because they just somehow keep pulling out wins. But, again, I think we can all say we know this this is not sustainable, especially when they start playing teams that are not expected to finish near the bottom of the standings. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like we were saying, just tread water, try to make it through this road trip, get home, and then start getting some of the big guns back um, in Stanton Hicks and hopefully Andujar in May. And um, and we'll take it from there. And I guess we'll, we'll count Tulowitzki in that mix too, even though I'm not too hopeful. No, no, I don't think either of us are. But um, So it doesn't look like anyone else is coming back this week, so I don't know what you're looking forward to this week. I think we're both going to have the same thing we're looking forward to this week, and it's not going to have to do with the Yankees. I've been infected by, <laughs> uh, by Game of Thrones. I mean, but, um, you know, before we get there, I mean, how – well, you work late, and, and so you're, you're staying up for all these West Coast games. But I've been getting to watch – because the Yankees haven't been on until 10. I've been watching a ton of playoff hockey, and oh, boy, have these games been great. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I, I think we both agree that baseball is our favorite sport, obviously. But after that, I think the NHL playoffs are the most exciting sporting event aside from baseball for me. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. All four division winners are out. That's the first time ever, and um, it's yep. just been crazy. Wild game sevens. I I had uh, <laughs> because I was watching the Yankee game. I had the Sharks Knights game on the other TV last night so i got to watch what i thought recency bias might play a factor but that that might have been the wildest uh, yeah 40 wow. minutes of hockey i've ever seen ever for sure yeah i um but yeah yeah that that's been great and, and the the capitals game last night hurricanes game was was really good as well but um yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this West Coast swing. Well, they won't even be over by the next time we record because they have to go to Arizona. Yeah, still but at Arizona. least, yeah, at least Saturday and well, Friday night too, and Saturday and Sunday we could I could I can watch the full games. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Game of Thrones this week for sure. I mean, I, you know, since I finished my exam, I've started watching. I watched like crazy. I got caught up, uh, you know, hours before the episode two of season eight uh, premiered. So I was all caught up. And I thought uh, the episode this week, even though it was all talking, was great. I thought like the the reunions and the character development were, were awesome. Um, and I thought it was just like a nice way to say goodbye because we know some characters are going to be leaving us. Completely agree. It was, again, not, not much happened in terms of, you know, epic battle scenes or shocking deaths but it was all great dialogue and i love the interactions of all the characters and now i'm ready for uh, more just wild marvelous chaos of a battle bigger than the one of helm's deep in lord of the rings so what are you looking forward to more um game of thrones or endgame that's <laughs> which game am i looking forward to most uh that's tough um Oh, man, I, I honestly, I don't even know if I can choose. I guess I would say Endgame because, you know, Game of Thrones has been my favorite show for a while now, but... You've always been a, a Marvel guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our cousin Keith, we have we grew up reading those and collecting those action figures, so he's actually coming up from Alabama this weekend. We made a pact to wait until Saturday to see it together, so I will be signing off Twitter tonight for the next 48 hours. And it's going to set up a pretty incredible 24 hours where it's going to see Endgame and then the Battle of Winterfell. So I am, the nerd in me is super excited. Also excited to hopefully see the Yankees keep clawing out some of these games. I, Like I told you before we started recording, I almost feel obligated to watch. I've Now that they've been on the West Coast, I've watched all game of every game since Saturday, which is when this winning streak started. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. Well... You could take credit for that, but, you know, I still blame you for what happened to Judge as I texted you, like, as soon as I was cleaning my garage and I had John and Susan on on the radio in the garage. Very, like, dad thing to have the Yankee game on yeah. while you're working outside. But now that I own a home, that's my life. Um, so, yeah, so so that that's that. But yeah, I, was, I was pretty upset about Judge. But, 
everybody else was. But yeah, I um, I'm looking forward to Game of Thrones. I'm not caught up on the Marvel movies, unfortunately. I would like to, but I might go see Endgame anyway and just like read what I need to know. Did you read any of the reviews for the movie? Uh, no. Or are no. you going? In, you're going in completely fresh. I'm going in completely blank slate. I did see the Rotten Tomatoes reveal um, because I was scrolling through Twitter. Gotcha. And that popped up, but um, I was encouraged by that. Obviously, the Marvel movies don't ever seem to get a poor score on Rotten Tomatoes. But um, yeah, no, you know, I'm, I'm you going could... in completely blank. Well, yeah, when I when Force Awakens came out for Star Wars, because that's you know that's my like my version of Marvel for you, I guess. Um, but um, I muted Star Wars, Force Awakens, Lucan. I muted Chewbacca. Muted all that on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, I can't have um, the Chewbacca spoilers. Yeah, that's... Well, the rumor before Force <laughs> Awakens came out was that Chewbacca was going to die. That was like a big rumor. They threw a curveball there. And, um, yeah, I was really upset. And then, then Force Awakens, Han died. And I was like, all right, well, whatever, Chewbacca's still alive. That's all we need. <laughs> all right, well, hopefully no one on the Yankees dies between now and next week. Because there's, al- there's already a lot. There's already a lot piling up and... You know, hopefully some of them come back by by May. I don't think we're going to be expecting any of them back by next week, but hopefully this ragtag group of rail riders can keep it going against some of these uh, lower level teams in the league. Which even still, I was not expecting this kind of streak, but but damn it, they're doing it. So we'll be we'll be back next week to hopefully talk about and try to figure out how the hell they keep winning games. But until then, enjoy. Enjoy this brand of Yankee baseball and enjoy the end game and the battle of Winterfell and all of that. And we'll see everybody next week. And enjoy the NFL draft where the Dolphins will undoubtedly disappoint me. But see everybody (laughs) next week. Bye, everyone.